Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with our guest, Lee Jang. He is the Chief Operating Officer at Harmony, which is a blockchain that's known for scaling Ethereum apps and uh, for their cross-chain asset transfers. I am super excited to talk to Lee more about Harmony. Their mainnet just turned two years old recently, so congratulations uh, to you on that. And with that, welcome, Lee. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, everyone. Great to be with you guys. And thank you, Diana, for hosting this podcast. Um, it's been amazing also to work with the Unstoppable Domain folks for the past couple of years as well. And yeah, we're really excited. As uh, as you mentioned, our mainnet has been launched for over two years now. The project has been going for uh, more than three years at this point. Uh, we're just getting started. We're very excited about the future of um, what we're building in terms of being able to bring to the world a multi-chain and a cross-chain world where uh, folks can get the benefit of uh, blockchain technology and, and building that uh, into their lives for hopefully billions of people in the future. Yeah, that is super exciting. And congrats to you again on that two-year milestone. Before we dive into Harmony, which I definitely want to do on this podcast, I want to know a little bit more about your background and how you got into crypto. So take us all the way back to when you first heard about crypto. What was it about crypto or blockchain that intrigued you and that um, got you on this bandwagon? Yeah, I think there's a long story. So as, as I mentioned, I've been in Silicon Valley for the past nine years now, going on 10 years. And actually, in 2012, my roommate told me about this thing called Bitcoin. And uh, I've been I was have been following it since then. And actually, around 2013, there were a lot of um, new startups uh, coming out from that space. And it was really the the promise of a new technology that could revolutionize uh, finance, if not a lot of a lot of other things in the world. And at that time, like our understanding was uh, mostly around Bitcoin. I mean, even networks like Ethereum didn't exist. And uh, I remember there's an interesting, funny episode where my friend actually invited me to around 2014 to go see uh, Vitalik speak. And of course, at at the time, like no one knew who Vitalik Buterin was or what Ethereum was. It was just getting started, and so. I've been kind of casually following the space until around, I think, 2016, 2017, and started actually uh, looking more into it because, you know, I, a lot of my smartest friends were, you know, writing about Ethereum or writing about these different blockchain technologies. It was around 2017 when I first joined a group called, um, it's called TGI, uh, which stands for Thank God It's. Uh, so it was a Google tradition where they had TGIF, um, where they actually, thank God it's Friday, but they held happy hours and, and meetups on actually a Thursday afternoon. And so it would just be people getting together. And so uh, I met a group of uh, former Googlers, ex, they call them Zooglers. They were meeting up every Thursday in uh, South Bay in Bay Area for many hours, to talk about ideas, talk about their startups, talk about you know different technologies. And it's probably from that group that I really got 
got into the deep deeper end of learning about at first machine learning and then learning about blockchain and and really getting uh getting that network um and that's how i how i got into it and how i actually got into harmony gotcha and so you you kind of started learning about crypto from finding a community of people who are already in it and learning from them right yeah, exactly. I would say at that time, um, the community was still very small. There were probably, you know, 10, 20, sometimes more people coming to those events. And we were all just learning, you know, reading white papers and, you know, understanding the some of the ideas. You see now, like a few years later, the development of what people call crypto Twitter, right? I think we, we were not really aware of crypto Twitter back then. And I think it, it wasn't nearly as big, but it really was the social group, right? You you kind of learn based on uh, who's around you and really talking about ideas, challenging the, those ideas, and absorbing from everyone else. And that and that I found was really helpful for not just me, but everybody in that in that group who came. Yeah, for sure. And so one thing that I like to ask people who have been in the space from basically the beginning, you know, you got in 2012, 2013, is how have you seen the space evolve, you know, both with you mentioned with the community, like, obviously, you know, more and more people have joined the community, especially with NFTs having blown up earlier this year, and that really reaching the mainstream. But how have you seen, you know, both the community and the technology itself, like blockchain technology evolve since the early days, 2012, 2013, until today, almost a decade later? There are definitely folks who have been in it longer and deeper than I have. Um, but even seeing from kind of an outsider, I was an investor, I was a venture capitalist at the time. I was looking at it more from kind of an investment, what are the opportunities? In fact, we we actually met uh, the Coinbase team at one point um, in 2014 when they were just starting out, I guess. The involvement has been really amazing to see, right? So in the early days, you had some folks doing exchanges and trading and using um, probably Bitcoin as payment or going into emerging economies, like some of the some of the more like clear use cases. In 2017, there was another wave of ICOs and a lot of new projects being launched. Uh, everyone was getting excited with basically decentralizing everything, like decentralized Uber, decentralized Airbnb, decentralized X. At the time, the market was much more ahead of the adoption um, in terms of actual usage. There were only a few hundred, a few thousand, thousands of users. This is the new cycle, right? So, so we went through the crypto winter uh, in 2018, 2019, some some of that time, including you know a lot of projects, including ourselves, were just building, but but the adoption maybe wasn't there at the time. And now this year, 2021, I would say is by far probably more adoption than all the other years prior to it added up together. And maybe next year it'll be that again, right? It'll be like a doubling again. Uh, every year or more. Um, and you can certainly see that in all the metrics and all the numbers uh, and even the new people coming into the space. Yeah, that would be super cool if that happens. With you know how far we've come in crypto and blockchain technology, we still have a long ways to go. At this point in time in 2021, what do you see as being some of the major challenges or obstacles that stand in the way of mainstream adoption of this technology? Yeah, I think there are probably two things like one is on the product and uh, technology side, just making it easier for new users to come into the space, whether it's making easier guides or, or explanations 
or just making the product flow easier, right? So how do people come into the space? Are they coming to use like DeFi products, uh, some, of, some of which are probably harder to use than others, right? And, and some DeFi projects care more about the user experience than others. Are they coming in through NFTs and just buying and collecting? Are they coming in because they want to participate in a decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO? Um, these are some of the gateways uh, in which people come into crypto. And so how friendly those community and those products are is a big factor in letting people come in. So for example, like, you know, my, my parents are software engineers and, and they've been investors, but uh, for them, it's very hard to even like learn and read and keep up with all these things that are going on and, and having an easy entryway, right? So I think whichever project and platform that does the best in like making it easy to onboard the average or the new user, those will drive adoption. And I think the other one actually is on the human side, right? Like you see a lot of, uh, this is my opinion only, but you see a lot of people on crypto Twitter who have, they kind of speak their own language and it's not that inclusive, like, you know, different acronyms or uh, people with, actually I use my real face profile picture. I know a lot of people in crypto, they want to use whatever picture that, you know, it's, it's free, but it's free for them to choose. But at the same time, like you want a way to be more mainstream, you know, and people want to see that there's a real person behind this project or, or participating. And so I think both on the product side and on the human side, we could do a much better job as an industry of bringing new people in and being more inclusive and speaking a more inclusive language. Yeah, that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought about because everybody talks about, you know, we need better UX in the onboarding process onto these dApps, but it's really like better UX on the human side too and making the community more inclusive. And I hadn't even thought about the the facts that, um, you know, being pseudonymous or anonymous in the space could be seen as, you know, being unwelcoming or being exclusive. That's a really good point that you make there. Um, and so one thing that I find interesting about your background is that you actually started off as a VC and then got into a project now as COO of Harmony. And I feel like most people usually go the opposite way where they start off as, you know, an entrepreneur of sorts or, or a C-level exec at a company, and then they move into venture capital. So tell me about that journey and like what led you to want to go from being a VC and then shifting into working at an actual project? Yeah. So my, my story uh, started out in a very typical way. I actually started in investment banking for the first two years and went into VC, which is a very like, um, I guess, stereotypical or normal track uh, for a lot of people. I was learning a lot about Silicon Valley that I was moving from Chicago to the Bay Area. And it was really exciting. Uh, we invested in a lot of really great companies as well. And I think after maybe five or six years, like I definitely felt there could be other things to do, other new challenges. And I really uh, loved meeting the Harmony team. You know, started out with meeting our founder, Stephen, and then later on the rest of the community, the rest of the team, and uh, decided at the time to just, you know, jump off the cliff, as they say, and join the project after getting to know basically everyone on the team. And so actually, I started out just in a business development um, role with the team, just doing anything, right? Like kind of going back to the beginning and hustling and, and being hungry and foolish. Um, and then over time, right, took on some more responsibilities. And uh, at one point, it made sense for me to be uh, 
become the CEO of the project and help uh, support and uh, scale the rest of the project. So it was very organic, I would say, just take it one day at a time, basically. And uh, there wasn't some grand design, but I just kind of felt excited about it and intuitively, you know, follow your intuition. And and that's what led me here today. And I think that's that's uh, one of the most amazing thing about the crypto community is that anybody can come in, I would say, and, you know, just kind of get involved, participate, um, whether it's through a DAO, whether it's through a network, sooner or later, your work should be recognized and, and you can do much more in this space. Yeah, I totally agree. That's one thing that I love about the space too, is, is it's very different from the traditional space where it's all about your resume, where you went to school, you know, like where did you work at a big company? Were you on Wall Street before you an ex-investment banker sort of thing? Whereas today it's like, you can be anybody, you can come from any background, as long as you have skills to contribute, just start contributing to a project. And that's, you know, sort of how you, you find your, your work and your career. So then you joined the team at Harmony, Tell us a little bit about like the Genesis story behind Harmony. So like, why did Steven, the founder, start Harmony? How do you get the idea for it? Like what problem was he trying to solve there? Yeah, so I think this is around um, basically, again, 2017 time when, you know, we as a group started learning more about blockchain technology. And and Steven actually has a, uh, a background in security protocols. He started reading all the kind of white paper in the space, analyzing all the protocols. And at the time, one of the big topics actually is still it's, it's a constant topic in blockchain, which is how do you build something that is scalable, decentralized, and secure all at the same time, right? And that that was called the um, scalability trilemma. And so he had basically researched into a couple of different approaches that was in research, and the idea for the team was to take the best research uh, at the time and put those into production and actually put it and launch a mainnet with those features, right? And and those were sharding and proof of stake. Those were actually some of the core ideas in Ethereum 2.0. And they're still some of the core ideas of Ethereum 2.0. Our team actually has a background from some of the biggest infrastructure you know, products uh, coming from whether it's Google Maps, Amazon Web Services, uh, Google Play, a lot of Apple, a lot of different companies that had built basically global scale infrastructures that already served a billion people. So we felt like we had a good team to kind of take that experience and apply it to blockchain, um, help scale blockchain technology to billions of people. And that was the original vision. Um, it's just it's to bring scalability blockchain to life. And the original vision was open consensus for 10 billion people meaning uh, hopefully that this technology can really affect everyone in the world and give them a platform to work together, to transact, to you know create value together. Let's break some of that down. So the first thing I want to talk about is like the scalability issue. So obviously like, scalability has always been a, you know, a, a challenge to tackle in build in blockchain technology. But I think, you know, at this point, we've seen scalability be, you know, even bigger of a challenge with like how high gas fees on Ethereum became earlier this year and trying to, you know, now every project is trying to build an L2 and uh, solve for that. So how has the way that Harmony is approaching scalability as an issue evolved since, you know, you first started back in 2017, 2018 until now? Some of the core ideas of, you know, basically making a protocol that is 
that has sharding that is scalable uh, based on having more nodes join the network. It can be more or less like infinitely scalable uh, over time. I think the core ideas have kind of remained the same with um, sharding and proof of stake. Uh, but I think the implementation has been evolving over time and we've learned a lot, right? So it's really it's really all in the details, to be honest, like actually launching a network, actually launching mainnet um, and seeing what uh, what the challenges could be, uh, getting all the validators to, you know, join a network, right? So, so having a network, you need active participation to actually make it run and uh, make it decentralized by getting people to care about it. Uh, so I think those are those are actually some of the problems um, that we face and 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 consistently evolving the protocol. So uh, making it even faster from eight second finality block time to five seconds and now two seconds. And our goal is to, you know, have blocks finish in one second so that, you know, it's really a delightful experience and we can scale to uh, millions of users um, and millions of transactions a day. Uh, especially now that we're launching with partners like SushiSwap. We haven't really talked about that, but uh, today is the first day of uh, actually um, the incentive campaign with SushiSwap on Harmony. And so we expect a lot more users to come in and the network really has to uh, be battle tested and stand the stand the test of time to be able to support that growth. And And this is just the beginning, right? Right now we're just talking about decentralized finance. When we get to... Uh, you know, more of the like traditional finance and onboarding millions of people uh, with billions of dollars of assets, like that'll really test the scalability of the network in production. So um, I guess, you know, the answer to your question is uh, it's constantly being improved, constantly upgradable. And, and those are the, those are the things that we're learning all the time. Gotcha. And so is, is Harmony a layer one solution or a layer two solution? Yeah, so Harmony is a layer one uh, blockchain. We've been that for you know all of our life, um, and so our relationship is uh, we are with Ethereum is we're actually fully Ethereum compatible. Um, you know, we're Ethereum virtual machine compatible, and we have a bridge between Ethereum and Harmony. So in some ways, we we can as well uh, serve as well as a scaling solution for Ethereum applications. So. I guess I can, you know, take Sushi as an example. They're launching on multiple chain, but for us, like they can scale to new users. Um, and for a lot of people uh, who are coming into crypto today, right? You, it's it's difficult to go into Ethereum mainnet right away because you actually need like tens of thousands of dollars of assets uh, when every transaction costs you twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred dollars to do any transaction. Very quickly, you pretty much lose all your money if you start with not enough. One of our goals is to allow uh, applications to scale to new users who may only have $100 or $1,000 to come into the ecosystem and participate and be part of uh, crypto. So, yeah. So your compatibility with Ethereum, is is that similar to like, what, what do they call it? The rainbow bridge that NIR protocol has? Is it like something similar to that? Our, our entire protocol is designed to be Ethereum compatible. So you can deploy apps uh, using Solidity, uh, using a lot of the Ethereum tools that already exist, like Truffle. Users can access uh, applications using MetaMask. So it's very natively uh, compatible. There is a bridge and the bridge is designed to be you know, 
um, very easy to use. Uh, anybody, actually, you can use it today. Uh, anyone can do that. I would say we we actually learned a lot from the Rainbow Bridge uh, that the Near team did, but uh, it's a little bit different in terms like we we want to be fundamentally Ethereum compatible um, at every at every layer. Okay, cool. Gotcha. I will save any other technical questions because I'm probably just going to keep asking dumb questions since I'm a non-technical person. But I am curious to hear, you know, what are some of the cool projects or dApps that are being built on Harmony right now? Yeah, so I think um, a lot of the really amazing projects um, have been, have grown organically in our network. So we actually have uh, five community um, decentralized exchanges uh, and then Sushi came on as a sixth one. Obviously, they're they're the most well known at this point throughout the community. We have a really amazing NFT platform called DaVinci that allows users to mint uh, NFT for very affordable, basically almost no fees. And it's it's green, right? So a lot of people have been talking about you know NFT minting as a as a burden on on resources. And so um, these are just some of the community and organically driven projects. We're also talking to many more uh, projects in the DeFi space, uh, including stablecoins, including um, liquidity aggregators. So that's one problem that we want to really help solve. And going forward, it's really about um, the idea of cross-chain uh, liquidity and cross-chain applications. One of our goals and work in progress is building bridges to all the major blockchain ecosystems. Uh, so all the Ethereum compatible ecosystem, Ethereum, we have Binance Smart Chain Bridge. Uh, we're building a bridge to Bitcoin that's in progress, uh, Cosmos and Polkadot. So, so, you know, our, and then later on, our goal is to help um, applications uh, and application developers be able to use our, our bridge ecosystem and an API so that they can aggregate liquidity from all the different ecosystems so that in the future, right, they, they will just have to work with an abstraction. They don't have to worry about which blockchain they have to deploy on and deploying on multiple blockchain. They can actually just use another abstraction layer on top of, on top of Harmony, for example, and, and uh, build apps and scale applications much more quickly that way so that they can access all the chains. Gotcha, gotcha. So for people listening who are maybe working on a project or, you know, thinking about working on a project, who is Harmony the best fit for? Is it for like a new project that's trying to decide which blockchain to build on or say a project has already built on a different blockchain and they are looking for solutions for how to link, you know, to like cross-chain interoperability, things like that. They can switch to Harmony or like who is the, this product for? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Um, I would say uh, there, there are definitely multiple profiles of developers who are coming into Harmony. So one example is the new developers, as you mentioned. So we have some, we have a lot of organic community projects being launched just because it's relatively easy. You know, people can launch and deploy within, let's say, days or, or you know, weeks at most. And um, we're seeing a lot of uh, traction on that end because developers who have... Um, who have applications that have like complicated contracts or they need to do many actions, they actually love using Harmony because of the low cost, right? Like they can, they can deploy a contract and it doesn't require, you know, a huge amount of money to do that. And so that's one. And, and then on the other end, working with kind of more established players who already have a community 
who already have, um, you know, maybe really great traction on, on another chain, uh, whether it's Ethereum or BSC and coming in, you know, engaging the Harmony community, which, which actually just brings new user into the ecosystem, right? So in working with Sushi, actually, they, one of the reasons why they're deploying on multiple chains and working with us is they, they learn that every time they go to a new uh, chain, actually, there's a new cohort of users. It's, it's both, you know, some of it is coming from the existing cohort, but most of it is actually new people who are coming into crypto for the first time because they're part of our community or they, you know, want to try it on a new platform or they want to, or we've lowered the barrier to entry actually for those people for the low cost and high speed. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. So you've been teasing this sushi partnership um, for a little bit. So I want to know more about it. What can you tell us about this, um, this new sushi partnership that you have? Yeah, so we've actually announced it um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's been building up to today, which is the start of the liquidity mining um, campaign. So Sushi has deployed uh, Sushi Swap natively on Harmony. Um, it's very easy to use. Basically, you just you you actually go to uh, app.sushi.com the normal way. Uh, just switch the network that you're using to from let's say Ethereum mainnet to Harmony. And you can swap, you can um, add liquidity and be a liquidity provider, uh, as, as most people are familiar with in the crypto space. And you can also um, earn yield by staking uh, your liquidity provider tokens. And so that's that's just one piece. We're also adding soon uh, the lending protocol that Sushi has called Kashi onto Harmony as well, so that people can lend or borrow assets, uh, again, on Harmony. And uh, we're also running a campaign with Onsen, which is um, their product on, on Ethereum. And also, hopefully, we can do other products uh, like Miso, which is a launch pad for new projects from Sushi. So the idea is that we would have, uh, we call it a full stack partnership. So all the products that they have um, would be either launching a Harmony or will participate in some way. And there'll be incentives for many of them. So um, yeah, that's that. That one's really exciting. There will be a couple more coming uh, this this month uh, in terms of partnerships. Um, but one thing maybe I can mention. One last thing I can mention about Sushi is also that you know uh, it's not just a it's not just a automated market maker AMM Dex. It's a full suite of financial products, and that's what we're really excited about is bringing that uh, bringing that DeFi platform to everyone. Right. And uh, hopefully offering more options, more more products to to the world. Um, and so, yeah, that's very exciting. Super cool. And so just to break it down from a user perspective, the benefit if a listener, say, is already a user on SushiSwap, the benefit of them switching from Ethereum mainnet, for instance, to Harmony uh, would be what? Just to summarize that up. Yeah. So um, basically, you can. You can earn the liquidity mining reward on Harmony. You can trade uh, for much lower costs. Basically, the fee is almost zero uh, today. And uh, you get to enjoy the two-second finality that's on the Harmony protocol. So I think um, for existing users, uh, especially maybe users who are new or who may not have a lot of assets, like the cost is a, is a real real pain point for some people. And so that's, that's one uh, group. And then, yeah, I mean, I think you know, for for some of the bigger investors, this is a new opportunity to try out uh, sushi on another on a faster and lower cost chain. And we definitely expect to bring new people who are 
whether they're new to crypto, whether they're new to sushi, whether they're new to um, the idea of providing liquidity, uh, making it very easy to kind of educate and onboard those people as well. So I think lots of different benefits from multiple communities uh, will be joining this campaign. Very cool. Very cool. And then you said that there are some other partnerships to come. Are you able to uh, give us a, a spoiler on any of those? So I won't, I won't say any, I won't say any names, but basically we want to work with um, some of the uh, project DeFi projects. As, as I mentioned, we're very interested in stable coins. We're very interested in uh, liquidity aggregators. Um, we're very, you know, interested in just providing and just building out the full uh, ecosystem around it, right? So, uh, of course, DEXs are one of the core like pieces of the ecosystem, but also just bring in um, a lot more partners and and continue to, you know, do our work on uh, on building bridges to more protocols. Awesome, awesome. And then another new ish, I think thing with harmony is the one wallet can you tell us more about that yeah so um, the one wallet is a project that uh, some of us uh, and some of the researchers that we've been working with have been developing so the idea um, again back back to the fundamental idea is how do we bring in the next few million users into crypto in an experience that is very easy um, and very secure for them so as, as we know today, um, well, everyone who comes into crypto needs a wallet, right? And so uh, today the experience is people generally, uh, you know, need to keep their own seed phrase, whether it's 12 words, 24 words, or keep their own private key stored somewhere. Um, there's been a lot of uh, issues with people losing private keys, people losing, you know, access to their wallet, people being hacked, uh, whether it's phishing attacks or various other ways um, that there's security flaws and problems. And so, you know, we've been working very hard on on finding a way to both very easily onboard users without a seed phrase using a one-time password based on currently Google Authenticator and making it so easy for them to use that uh, that this becomes uh, the the main gateway for them to enter into crypto uh, with the lowest friction possible and the, and the highest security guarantees built in into the wallet without uh, too much extra work, without them having to, you know, keep different pieces of paper in the house or, or you know, go through all the hoops. You know, I'm going to check out one wallet right after this, but just to explain to our listeners. So what does that onboarding process look like for a new user that wants to use one wallet? Yeah, so right now we are basically... Uh, you know, launching the One Wallet in beta. Um, people can go to onewallet.crazy.one to uh, check it out or harmony.one slash one wallet. The experience is actually really easy. You can already create a wallet using uh, Google Authenticator or any Authenticator app, uh, scan a QR code, and you've created the wallet. Um, there's an option for you to create, to give you a recovery address. So in case you ever lose the wallet, you can always send your funds to the recovery address, um, which is a very nice thing to have uh, because, you know, just in case, right, you, you, like losing losing wallet access is, is possible. Um, and so today, you know, that's the main onboarding experience. In the very near future, there will be added features like staking. You can hold your NFTs in this wallet and feel secure about that. 
uh, it, it'll be a full functioning wallet with uh, connections to all the DeFi applications um, on Harmony, but potentially also on other protocols once you know it's using the Bridge API. So, so currently it's just a very you know easy onboarding experience, a very safe wallet that can do token transfers. But uh, soon we'll have uh, all the other features, all the other use cases added to this, uh, so that it becomes. The only, so we can say that you only need one wallet, right? You only need this one. I get it. I get it. Makes sense. That is super cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, all the features being developed out on that because that would be super cool to be able to keep everything, you know, my my crypto, my NFTs, everything in one place. And it sounds like the onboarding process is very easy and user friendly too, like what we were talking about earlier with UX being a big issue. Um, it sounds like you guys definitely have been paying attention to that and solving for that. So super cool. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts more broadly in the crypto space or blockchain technology. Like, where do you see this space evolving? Maybe like, let's say in the next year, if you had to like make your best educated guess about like what's going to happen in the space in the next year, what would you say are some of the most exciting things that you would expect to see come to fruition in the next year? We definitely will see organic growth in basically every category, whether it's more usage of stable coins, um, as you see with USDT, USDC, uh, we'll see growth of NFTs, more the maturation of the market. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not even necessarily talking about dollar value or you know what's the highest sale, because those things can move up and down. But I think people will have a better understanding of uh, NFTs, not just like a piece of artwork, but it could be used for any of your intellectual property. So whether it's like content, a medium blog post that you write, or it's work that you perform, whether it's events that you attend to. So we're working with a partner who's uh, making NFTs for events and ticketing. And then of course, DAOs will become much more mature in terms of how to actually organize decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, The tooling around DAOs will become much more sophisticated for managing your treasury, managing your vote. um, assessing people's work and contribution to them. So I think every part of the infrastructure will kind of be more robust and and kind of grow. If you follow crypto Twitter, all these ideas are not new, right? It's just a matter of distribution now um, and getting, the, getting it into the hands of more and more people. Uh, obviously, we think that uh, interoperability and, and building bridges is very important. We think, you know, building a smooth um, onboarding experience with the One Wallet is very important. And um, we can definitely see that more institutions or more larger projects and players are coming into the space. You know, every day we get, there's some, some conversation with uh, maybe institutional investors or big investors who are coming uh, into the space. So crypto is going to become very mainstream in the next uh, year, I would say even. Um, again, I think like this year has all the adoptions of all the prior years combined. And next year we'll have all the adoptions of all the prior years, including this year combined. And so hopefully that, hopefully that's really the adoption trend. Um, I, I don't know about the market, you know, reaction will go up and down, of course, but, but yeah, I, I do see a lot of really amazing adoption, a lot of building, um, a lot of talented people coming into the space, whether it's through uh, Gitcoin kernel or DeFi Alliance, which are, you know, our friends and, and collaborators. Um, so I'm I'm very excited uh, about about all of, all of the above. It'll be very good to see much more participation and people coming into the space. 
Yeah, I'm super excited about all of that as well. And then looking more into the long term, which I know is a hard thing to do in crypto because things are already moving so fast. In your perfect world, where will we be with crypto and blockchain in 10 years? Yeah, I think in 10 years, um, a lot can happen, right? So there's a good quote attributed to, I think, Bill Gates that he said, we tend to overestimate what can happen in two years, but we underestimate what can happen in 10 years. Um, because blockchain is growing at a nonlinear rate, right? It's it's sort of exponential. Our, our brains uh, have a hard time comprehending exponential trends and predicting those. But I do see basically uh, in 10 years, all of the world's financial assets coming on chain, right? Whether it's like we're trading stocks, we're trading real estate tokens, with a token on chain, uh, all all basically like intellectual property in the form of NFTs is on chain at that point. A lot of uh, interaction, basically all of our interaction, legal contract, all of our writing, all of our music, all of our movies uh, will be you know will be owned as NFTs on chain. It could be fractionalized as well, uh, and then DAOs. DAOs could really be uh, you know I would say game changer for the world. Like it'll allow people to organize. Maybe we could say like 10% of all world's activities are done by DAOs or something like that in 10 years, right? Or 10% of all companies will be DAOs rather than LLCs or corporations. Um, and then I think all of our identity will, will have on-chain identity as well, right? So um, yeah, and, and of course, governments coming in, maybe maybe uh, Bitcoin will be legal tender for 50 countries or something like that. But no, in general, I think I think the entire world will move on chain just like the entire world moved online over the next 10 years and because the internet the internet took you know 30 or 40 years to really like hit its stride uh, in terms of just everybody using it everywhere right crypto already is building on the foundation of the internet so it could go faster it could be spread it could be distributed within 10 years yeah we could we could uh, definitely see it going global and touching a billion lives yeah, totally. I just have to ask because you, you know, brought up DAOs a few times and like something I've been thinking about a lot is like how DAOs may replace traditional organizations. And especially uh, one thing that I, I think about a lot is like how DAOs can, you know, potentially replace VCs and, you know, maybe completely change the structure of how uh, projects like seek funding or just how VCs operate. Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, where VCs are going to be in 10 years with the advent of DAOs and, you know, DAOs becoming bigger and maybe like it making more sense for companies to like new companies that are seeking funding to like go to DAO or even just to like find, you know, some really influential people on crypto Twitter and get funding from them or, you know, social capital maybe being more valuable than actual capital uh, in the traditional sense. So like, what are your thoughts on like how VCs will evolve in maybe the next 10 years? Uh, what you just said basically is my thesis as well, that uh, new projects can form as DAOs, uh, first of all, and then they can raise money from other DAOs. This already exists, um, basically, in in many communities, and um, getting funded by DAOs is very normal nowadays for for those communities. It's just not evenly distributed yet, right? So, um, do I see traditional VCs making that leap? I'm not sure, but I do see like new capital formation, like uh, new funds being formed as DAOs, new new projects formed as DAOs, and and actually, um, the founder of Synthetics, uh, King, uh, wrote a good blog art article just recently about this topic is, 
you know, is actually guiding people how to form DAOs, uh, how to form a new project as a DAO from the beginning and how to raise capital and, and, uh, and do it that way. Because it's a fundamentally better alternative, in my opinion, right? You can work with anybody anywhere in the world. Um, you have a better governance. You can, you can raise money from anybody anywhere in the world. Like the best ideas should surface up and, and, uh, and be supported and come to life. In the old VC model, I would say that um, you have to be the, it's not necessarily the best idea. It's probably like the ideas that get the most attention or you happen to be living in the right place, right time with access uh, to the right investors. But in this more democratized world in the future with DAOs, right, the best idea and hopefully the best people will will be able to get the resource they need to create those ideas and, 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 uh, you know, allow 7 billion people to participate in innovation rather than a smaller group of people. Yeah, that is, I think, one of the most impactful changes that, you know, DAOs will bring about in this community is like democratizing access. I think that's something I'm most passionate about and leveling out the playing field for people, whether you're talking about like getting access to financial resources or getting access to the internet or getting access to, you know, VC funding, um, anything like that. I think that is going to be, you know, really, really pivotal. And I'm really excited to see how that changes just like society as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it it, it will. It will change. Uh, It's just a matter of time and speed. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, switching gears a little bit, let's do something a little more fun and lighthearted. Uh, I always like to end every podcast episode with a segment called Explain Your Tweet. And this is where I go through your Twitter and I pull out some cryptic or interesting tweets and I give you a chance to explain them. So the first one that I have, this is from July 2nd. Uh, so just very recently, you quoted a tweet from Chow Wang. He said, investing is easy, building is hard. And you just quote tweeted it and said, uh, pin this. So tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking there. So Chow's a, you know, a friend of Harmony, I would say, and actually got to meet him recently. But I've been following him on, on, on crypto Twitter for a long time. Basically, uh, he said, you know, investing is easy and building is hard. And, and that's really, a, it's, I mean, it's true, right? Building uh, takes a long time and there are a lot of um, problem solvings you have to do all the time. Whereas investing, you can come, you can go in and out of projects very quickly. And it, there's less of a sense of ownership. You know, ironically, you do own the asset or you do own the stock or, or whatever you own, but building actually is an investment of your time. And that's the most precious thing, right? Because um, you, you can't get that time back. Whereas capital, you can invest and, you know, you can get it back if things are doing well and you can invest in hundred things at the same time. So I think it's a, it's a nod to the builders of the world. And, and at the end of the day, like, what are you investing in? You're actually investing in people who are building something of value to other people. Right. So, so if there are no builders, there, there aren't any investors because there's nothing to invest in. I just love the, the, the punchiness of the quote. And uh, of course, you know, it, he may not be the first person to have said it, but I just liked how, how it's worded. And uh, I completely agree. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think that's a good call out is if there were no builders, there'd, there'd be nothing to invest in. So there wouldn't be any investors either. So yeah, really good point. And then I've got uh, one more tweet. This one is from June 26, 2021. You tweeted, I went to a birthday party earlier today and told everyone that their assets will move on chain in the next few years. Even very forward thinking tech entrepreneurs in San Francisco aren't thinking about it. That's how early we still are. And this just reminded me of what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation with, you know, like uh, one of the major obstacles to adoption being bad UX in the on the human side of things. And, you know, like people on crypto Twitter are using what seems like almost a foreign language to people who are outside of the space. And this is a problem that when I joined the space, I noticed very clearly, I was like, there are very few resources out there for newbies in the space, like even any articles I'm finding or any people on Twitter I'm finding are speaking in this like almost new language that like, I, I don't understand. There's such a big learning curve. And so, and then I found myself, you know, as I learn more about the space, falling into that same trap. And uh, so I guess like for you, I'm just wondering, how do you keep yourself from speaking in that jargon and from, you know, diving into this like different world that like the normies don't live in? How do you like communicate with them and uh, in a way that, you know, is like very approachable and understandable and also like in a way that gets them excited to, to dive in themselves and learn more? One of the nice things I would say I have is I have a really good group of um, just friends and family who are who are not in crypto and who, you know, who I can talk to on a regular basis and, and kind of share what I'm learning in in a way that's understandable to, you know, to them. It's a good reminder because even uh, like some of my best friends who are very, let's say, intelligent or they've achieved a lot, uh, I try to get them to set up MetaMask uh, on Harmony and, and it's a like a learning experience for them, right? So I think one of the things is to just keep in mind that, uh, you know, just having that group of people around is has been super helpful that I'm not spending, uh, even though I spent too much time on Twitter, that I'm not spending 100% of my time on crypto Twitter and just kind of in the same bubble. You really have to get out of the bubble and even become a bridge between some of the new people coming in and and a lot of times it's just having conversations, speaking with whether it's a new user, a new investor, a new developer coming into the space, a friend who's just curious and and see if you can uh, help them understand from their perspective, right? Meet them where they are at uh, their level, uh, you know, current understanding. Yeah, crypto has a, has a long ways to go in that sense, like making it very simple and easy to explain what all these things are. And and yeah, that's, that's going to be like probably a bigger challenge than even the technology itself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a good point is see if you can explain it to your friends and family and that they're a good, you know, testing point or guinea pig for how well not only you understand it, but that you're able to, you know, bring it down to the level that like everybody understands that. So very cool. Well, thank you, Lee, so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Um, I think Harmony is a really cool product and what you guys are building is super cool. Before you go, just tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you personally. And then also remind them where they can go to use Harmony's products or, you know, One Wallet and uh, use it on Sushi and all of those good things. Great to spend time with you, Diana. And thanks for giving me the opportunity. So I'm very easy to find on Twitter, just my name, uh, Lee Jang. And uh, Harmony Protocol is very easy to find on Twitter as well. Also, everyone can go to our homepage, harmony.one, 
um, to kind of explore around. And uh, yeah, just follow us on Twitter. We'll, we'll be sending out all the updates almost on a daily basis about our partnership, about our products, uh, whether it's Sushi or the One Wallet, and, and there'll be much more to come on that side. So excited to engage with your audience and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lee. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.